we are going to walk like Jesus, yes and amen, and see his supernatural power outpouring in our lives today and every day. We are not walking like the world. We don't walk like the world because we're not of the world. Okay, we, we have actually been born anew. So the world's standards do not dictate to us how we live. We have a standard that is much higher. We have the standard, which is the word of God that does not return unto us void. Amen. And so in God's holy word in John 15 and verse 7, it says, if. Come on. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it will happen. You shall ask and it will happen. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. We, in, in, right in this verse, very first part of this scripture, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Stop right there. It's not the end of the scripture, but stop right there. That first part of this scripture is talking about loving his presence and loving his word. If you abide in me and my words abiding you. That means you're going to love the spirit of God, the move, the presence of God, but you're going to also love the word of God just as much. Not, well, I love the word of God, but more the presence. No, you're going to love them both equally. Say, I will love the presence and the word of God equally because it is spirit and truth, spirit and truth. We must live by the Spirit of God and in the truth of God, which is the Word of God. Right? So, Spirit and truth. You're, you're at the uh, Gospel of John. So, turn to chapter 4. We're going to go right back to chapter 15. But right now, I want you to go to chapter 4. And in verse 24, it says, God is Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. This is the command of the Lord, that God is spirit. He is the spirit. He is spirit. And those who worship him, when you worship him, you must worship him in spirit and in truth. When you worship him, you live for him. When you worship him does not mean you only sing when it's time to come together in a corporate setting. Worship is a lifestyle of obedience. Worship is a lifestyle of laying down your thoughts, your attitudes, your desires, uh, your plans, your hopes, your dreams, uh, to submit to the one that created you. Worship is obedience unto him. So when you got a spirit, and when you worship him, you must worship him in spirit and in truth, right? And so we're going to worship him with everything within us. Say, Lord, teach me how to worship you in spirit and in truth. Teach me how to love the spirit of the living God, but teach me how to love the word of truth just as much, right? And the more that you read of his word and you take his word in, the more that you love his word, the more that your, your hunger, your appetite for this living word, the more it comes to pass. So God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, let's go back to John 15, 7, because that, we, only, we only really talked much about the very first 
phrase, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. The rest of it says that what, it says you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. You're going to ask what you desire if you abide. Okay, if you abide in the vine, you're getting your new, all your nutrients, you're getting all your energy, all your source from the king of kings, the one that has literally planted you in him, in his living word. You're not one that gets uprooted by an easy offense. You're not one that gets uprooted by a difficult offense. You're not one that gets uprooted, period, because you walk by the spirit and you live by the word. Am I talking to mature believers here? It's important because you know what? We know the enemy's assignment. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Did we just read this? Did we just read this incredible promise? Do we not know that God is not a man that he should lie? So if God is not a man that he should lie, then this word is 100% true and 100% of the time. I know I recently preached on this, on this very scripture, John 15, 7. And the Holy Spirit has instructed me to teach a little bit more on it. And I told you that day, 100% and 100% of the time. That's what's required, right? So incredible promise and we know that all of his promises are yes and amen they're true when you find a promise this is quite have you ever meditated on this word on this promise how, how many of you have meditated like literally meditated and you know what i mean by meditated you didn't just read it and kind of no you sat with it you sat with it you read it over and over and over you prayed it maybe you journaled it but you sat and you, you, you literally thought it through and you just, you know, it, it, underneath your breath, you just repeated it. You meditated. You, you allowed yourself to just, just to be saturated by this word. Okay. So how many of you would say, I read that and I meditated on it. And when I read the end of it, that you will ask what you will and it shall be done. That maybe some questions arose. Like, wait, Lord, I do love you. I do abide. Your words do abide in me. And I am abiding in you. And I've been asking, and I still don't see it. Have you, any, honestly, have you ever asked that question? Okay. Because that's what the Lord had told me to. Go back to that scripture, and I want you to make this point. Okay, Lord. So he says, go to Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Somebody should be getting happy about now. Somebody should be getting some godly confidence about now. Whoa, thank you, Jesus. God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? We know the answer to that. So, his word says, I will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He says, I will supply. When you think there's not enough, I am your supplier. 
When you think it's too late, it's too much, it's over, he says, I am your consistent help. I am your forward guard. I am your rear guard. When you think that it's too late and it's all over, no, God says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? He says, I will restore health to you and heal you of all your wounds. That's Jeremiah 30, 17 for those that are taking notes. Jeremiah 30 and 17. I will restore health to you and heal you of all your wounds. Is this a promise to stand on? Uh-huh. We're going to get to that question that I just raised. We're going to get to that question. But I want to set it up first. He says, you are the head and not the tail. He says, if you will pay attention to the commands of the Lord, your God that, he, that um, I gave you this day, he says, and carefully follow them. You will always be at the top, never at the bottom. This is Deuteronomy 28, 13. I mean, if you would have said, if you do this, you know, sometimes, sometimes you'll be at the top. If he would have made room for those, maybe some allowances, you know. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He gave us an absolute promise, an absolute word. He said always. He didn't say sometimes. See, the problem is sometimes people don't believe the word. They're not receiving the fullness of the word. They're not really believing it, not fully. And then they miss out on the promise that it actually has for them, that it holds for them, right? Oh, thank you. So again, John 15 and 7. This is how you can read it. You shall ask and it will happen. That scripture can be paraphrased, right? You shall ask and it will happen. Now, it doesn't say instantaneously, does it? Although many times we know he does instantaneously. Heal, set free, transform, break through. It does. Many times we see that miracle right away. But we don't want to be the kind of Christian that needs to only see the instant gratification or our faith becomes weak. We have to have strong faith. We have to have faith that is so grounded in the truth of God's word that if he said, you will ask and it will come about. And I shouldn't have to mention this, but I will. It's assuming that you're abiding in Christ, which means you're not asking from a selfish place, a worldly place. That's, that's the whole abide word. Right? Because if you're not abiding, you would be asking from a selfish place. It's not going to happen. Right? So we're assuming, and I'm assuming that, you're, that you understand we're talking about walking the walk, living the life of Christ. Because he died and rose again to set us free. And so we know that every word of God is pure. It's flawless. Every word of God, it is flawless. And we get to partake of this every word of God. And so you shall ask and it will happen. Right? John 15, 7. But we're not going to be disappointment or lose faith when it doesn't necessarily happen in one or two days. So we don't want our faulty actions to be what hinders the blessing of God either. So in, that, in asking that question, okay, Lord, I abide you know, in you, and your word abides in me. You said you can ask whatever you desire. It shall be done unto you. So what might be the roadblock? What might 
be the reason. Now, I know that there are more reasons than the few that I'm going to list, but I am going to list three of them, okay? So here are three areas to consider. Are the words that are proceeding out of your mouths short-circuiting the blessing? Because you cannot speak death and expect life. You can't speak death just because you're mad and expect life when you get over it. You short-circuit the blessing every single time. Like you go back to ground zero. You go back to the beginning. You can't speak the, the curse and expect the blessing. You can't speak words that are contrary to truth just because you, you think it's, it's easy or it's whatever, funny, or you just want to. You're used to it. Your emotions tell you to say it. That's what you hear everybody else say. I don't know what your reasons might be. You don't walk based on the world's reasons. You shouldn't look like the world. We need to look like our creator, like our maker. Does Jesus speak death? He speaks life. He spoke life to Lazarus, who was dead, and called him out of the grave, even after he was dead for four days. And he still spoke life, not death. He spoke life. We got to watch the words that we say because you might be short-circuiting your own blessing. That might be one of the reasons, one of the areas that you need to consider. And go, what's coming out of my mouth? What's coming out of my mouth? You know, we are eternal beings and we're going to live forever. You know, the word of God says we're never going to die. Obviously, our bodies will die. But I'm talking about our spirit, man. We are born anew. And so the old man died when you said yes to Christ, right? The old man died, and we now are new creations in Christ. So now the life that we live, we live that life in and through Jesus Christ. You are like Jesus now. That's your expectation. I'm still talking about the words that you speak. I'm not off of that point yet, in case anybody was wondering. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Wow. All things? Yes, all things. All things. If anyone is in Christ. So he's not talking about anyone. He's talking about if you're in Christ. So in other words, those that are in Christ. For those that are in Christ, you're a new creation. You're a new creation. The old things have passed away. God is not a liar. The old things have passed away. And then he says, behold, look and see. All things have become new. Do you have eyes to see the new? Even when your emotions tell you otherwise? That's what we need. And we have it if we choose to live, surrender to the spirit. We have it if we choose to live our lives in the spirit of God, with the word of God, right tightly within us. So, not fearing, not worrying, not striving and in a frenzy or, or, or just living out of controlled lives without any peace. Now, we know this is what the world lives by. Fear and worry and stress and, and it's like normal. And if you're not doing that, you're abnormal. Well, they try to make you think that anyway. It doesn't work here. 
But it's true. The world does live like this. Fear and stress. So stressed out. It makes me so. I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. Does that not kind of give you the creeps when you hear it? It does to me. Like inside, I'm just going, oh, my gosh. Like if, if my face could just betray what I'm feeling when I hear that, I'm just going, oh, no. You know, like within me. Because the spirit of God within me is not happy. Now, of course, if it's the world, well, it's the world. They don't have Jesus yet. So we understand that. But when it becomes the believers, that's a problem, church. We shouldn't resemble the world. There's a problem. It just shows that we have not allowed maturity in this area of our lives. And you may think it's okay, it's this or that. You're justifying. You're just justifying. And it's robbing you of the blessing of God. Not that that's the only reason that you should, you know, work on this area, but it is robbing the blessing of God. We should live our lives in peace, even in difficulties. Doesn't mean there's nervous sorrow or heartache, but we should live in the peace that remains. There's a peace that God gives that nothing can take away. In other words, you may not be happy about a situation, but your joy doesn't come from that situation. Your joy comes in the fact that you are living in Christ and he is your peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Amen. So you're secure in that. And that's where the joy comes from. That's where right thinking comes from. That's where our peace resides. That's why when the world now sees you respond in a way that is so different from how they respond, they think you're strange. Well, we are a peculiar people. So in a way, they're half right. God says you're a peculiar people. So if they think you're strange, it's because they don't have eyes to see. If they don't understand, why do you serve the Lord and you go to a service, you go to a church twice a week and each and every service is hours long. Why would you do that? Do you have nothing better to do with your time? Well, the truth and the right answer is no. <laughs> That's the best thing we can do with our time. And it's the thing we love to do with our time is to be in his presence, right? But that's the transformation that, that the Lord does in us, right? And it's, he's just so good. 1 John 4, 17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this. Love has been perfected. Talk about the love of God. Love has been perfected in us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. So you can't curse your future and expect the promises of God to come to pass in your lives. Because as he is, so are you in this world. And you want to know, am I really living that scripture out? What's coming out of your mouth? Would it really come out of the mouth of Jesus? If the answer is no, then... Obviously, God is not a man that he should lie. Who needs to change? We do. So if you're not seeing answers to John 15, 7, maybe you need to check the words that are coming out of your mouth. Just a suggestion. I don't know. 
There are many believers that have the word memorized, a lot of the word, a lot of the word memorized. Oh, and they can quote it like nobody's business. They can preach it, right? But they're not living it. They're not living it. They're not fooling God. Don't be that kind of a Christian because you're not fooling God. And he sees, and he's not pleased with that. And people that know you are hearing you. And you might be stumbling somebody. And we're not supposed to stumble people by living contrary to the word. Hey, if you stumble somebody, you offend somebody, but you're living right before God, that's expected. Even Jesus did that. But if you stumble them because you're living contrary to the word, I'd be careful if I were you. Because that's not a good thing. So they forfeit the promises of God. But he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask and you will receive. Let's go to point two. Okay, so number one, obviously, the words that you speak. But number two, maybe, just maybe, some of the reasons as to why the, the answers to prayer is not coming and you've been praying for years. Okay, maybe you're not mixing faith with the promise. Oh, God does so much in that time period of waiting in us. A lot of changing, a lot of growth, a lot of pruning, a lot of cutting, and it's beautiful, and it's needed. There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot, of, lot that he does in that time of waiting. So in Hebrews 4 and 2, it says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Oh, my goodness, let's just stop and reread that portion of Scripture. I'm going to start with verse 1. Therefore, since, it says, a promise remains of entering his rest. That's the beautiful promise that we have. We get to enter his rest. Let us, it says, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. So everyone's hearing the word. The gospel's being preached to all. But the word which they heard... They heard it, say they heard the word, they heard it every week, they heard it twice a week, they heard it all, the, they read it, they at a home, they heard it, they heard the word. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Wait, why? I thought the word was powerful. I thought it was full of power. Yes, it's not on the word's side. The problem is not on God's side. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith. To those who heard it. They heard it, but they weren't really hearing. They didn't really listen. You can hear something and not hear. And they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't mix it with faith. Oh, I heard the word. And they, okay, great, it's going to happen. And then it doesn't happen. And two days, three days, weeks, months, years go by. And they're getting discouraged because the promise still hasn't come to pass. Oh, they're not going to turn their backs on Jesus, at least not this group of people that I'm describing. But they've become muted. They have become casual Christians. They have stopped believing that a radical faith radically changes. And they would rather just live a ho-hum, casual life because they don't, they're disillusioned. Mix faith with the promise. Amen. 
So what if it takes a lifetime for some of those prayers to come to pass? What if those prayers get answered after you're on the other side of eternity? Would you still stand faithful and believe that the word of God will never return void? Will you still stand firm and say, I'm mixing faith with the promises of God and I will not be disappointed because it's not about what it looks like. It's not about what I think or feel. God's already promised it in his word. So it's a done deal. I just have to stand firm in it and mix faith with the promise. Especially some that are praying for salvation of a loved one. It can be difficult, but I'm telling you, it's only difficult when you take your eyes off Jesus. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, it's not difficult at all. It's not difficult at all because you're, you're drawing your strength on the giver of life. You're literally drawing strength because you are attached to the vine. You're not cutting yourself off by faulty thinking or letting emotions lead. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're going to mix faith with the promises, right? And point three, are you operating in faith and patience? Hebrews 6 and 12. I'm going to start at 11, though. You know me. We're going to back up. No, we're going to back up a little bit more. Oh, we're just going to, don't we just love the word? Because we love the word of God. Sometimes you don't even know where to start, start and where to finish because it's just all good. You're just eating it up. We just eat it up. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Until the end. Show that diligence until the end. That you do not. Yes, Lord. That you do not become what? What does it say? Sluggish. What did I just describe? What do you guys, what did I just describe? I didn't use the word sluggish, but I just described a sluggish Christian. They got casual, right? They didn't want to be, they, they just, they just kind of blended in with the carpet. And there's a lot of them because they were disappointed. They were disillusioned. That's not God's fault. It's yours. It's yours for believing the devil. It's yours for believing your own emotions. God's word will not fail. Should I say it again? God's word will not fail. He does not fail. He does not change. We just got to believe him for what he said. So let me finish this scripture in Hebrews 6 and 12. So we're in 11 though. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but you imitate those who, through faith and patience, through faith and patience. I want you to say this out loud. Through faith and patience, I will inherit the promises of God. Because that's the rest of that scripture. Through faith and patience, I will inherit the promises of God. That is a promise to take to the bank. Through faith and patience, I will inherit the promises of God. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask that which you desire and it shall be done unto you. But with faith and patience, you are going to inherit the promises of God. 
So don't let the devil tell you, my goodness, you've been praying for three years. It hasn't come to pass. Maybe you should stop being so fervent in your prayers. Cast that devil out. Shut that voice down. And don't be letting him play you for a fool.